Even though we are in 1998, technology is trying to hate from the future. You would think that we would have some assistance, some guidance, some help from our future. Would they be ancestors if they're from the future? I don't think so, right? We need some help from the future. We're yeah, in 1998 and we're stuck. Yeah, it's crazy right now. Podcasting, podcasting in an area, in a era, essentially, where this is not even an idea having these types of microphones having these types of laptops having this type of technology is not even an idea right now in 1998 and jeff and i are here to be able to discuss things a little bit more authentic Mm -hmm. for you you will see within the next few days a lot of different podcasts that are feeding into 30 for 30s the last dance especially Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis mm-hmm. Robin, and the 1997-1998 Chicago Bulls and their road to their sixth and final NBA championship. But they're all reporting from that from 2020. We have yeah. specifically, and we even show you footage, we are in 1998 right now. We live. I'm no longer 30. Where are you right now, Jeff? As a, as I'm going to guess, in, what, seven years old? Uh, where are you as a 98? In 98, what are you, 98, eight? I was nine. I was nine. Nine, nine years. Okay, okay. Nine years old. Where are you as a nine-year-old youth in the United States right now in 1998? Uh, I was still in LA at this time, so it's pretty so nice. So in Los Angeles. I'm about to move. I'm very close. I'm very close to moving to uh, to Jersey at this point in time. So, but yeah, yeah, we, we, we making it happen. I'm in LA at this moment. You have Shaquille O'Neal. You're about two years removed from getting Kobe Bryant. So things are things are cool. Things are cool in Los Angeles, but things aren't amazing. Yeah, right. And, of course, you have everything else that could come from Los Angeles sports in that late 90s. And then within the next few years, you will start realizing that things are going to be 100% amazing out in Los Angeles. But you don't <laughs> yeah. know that yet. You don't no, know no, that no, yet no. as a nine-year-old youth. No. L.A. is already amazing at this point to a nine-year-old like me. But... From a sport perspective, yeah, absolutely. As for myself, I am seven years old. I am on West 235th in New York City mm. in an apartment. Wow, that's a lot of beef my, going on between both of us right now. It's still kind of weird. With my mom, my sister, yes, we are, but we're about East versus I West. Think, I, think, I think still, I think things are still pretty. A little tense. I wouldn't say hot. No, I wouldn't say tense, hot, but tense, things things were definitely hot around this time last year. And two deaths that we won't get too deep into as no. of right now kind of simmer things a whole lot down and put things into a whole lot of different perspectives. Um, but yeah, you are on. We are on two opposite sides of the country. Two different types of lifestyles that are going on as of right now. And I am looking at myself at seven years old as a 29 year old man right now thinking god you are going to see a whole lot of different things in the next even in the next year because i'm about to leave new york city in the next year yeah yeah i'm still enjoying like pokemon and shit of that nature it's super super fresh super new i would definitely have red in my game boy probably donkey kong countries in my game boy um my playstation my dad has got me a playstation at this point in time my first game that i would get on my sony playstation is nba live 98 so as that is fitting for a podcast like this i want to do some i want to do some playing with nba live 98 yeah man i I told you i you know we gotta find that uh we gotta find it man we have to we have to make sure that people are educated on the legend of player 89 i don't think there's too many people in the streaming era as of right now that are aware of player 89 and why they couldn't afford it. Those of our youths had to deal with the player 89 yeah, than 
seeing what they see in NBA 2K20 with, what is it, 10 different Bulls teams? Right. You know what's crazy about that? It's like, you know, in 2020, it's like I wouldn't even buy the game if if I had to deal with, like, imagine if there is no LeBron on this game. Imagine, yeah, exactly. Imagine 2K20 drops and they're like, <laughs> you know what, LeBron and KD have two different types of managing uh, uh, <laughs> managers, things like that. And because of that, they cannot strike deals with EA no Sports to get into a video game. And so they're not going to be in the video game. So let's yeah, just put a player that looks very, very close, plays just like LeBron James or Kevin Durant, but it's not <clears throat> LeBron James and it's not Kevin Durant. It's just player. Just player. And he doesn't wear number 23. He wears 92. Yeah, some crazy number. Those are the numbers we with had it. to deal with in 98. Yeah. But thankfully for us, we are in a perspective that we can start discussing the last dance a whole lot more authentic than other podcasts can and to do so nobody's doing it like this no to do so we're going to start you off with a little bit of homework because again we have seen many things that people in 1998 have not and thankfully you have the ability to enjoy everything from the future that we are going to provide so we're going to start off with some homework no great the first time ever in rspn history we're going to start off with some homework if you are not aware or actually truthfully if this is your first time ever listening to rspn we didn't even provide you with the intro that we normally provide uh for the past what is three seasons unfortunately Mm -hmm. season three got ended abruptly but we usually started off by saying that he is jeff and of course i am mark we introduce Mm -hmm. you to the wonderful world of the alpha sport in our pure opinion because with rspn you can Look at it from a perspective of pronouncing that R with an O-U in front of it. Because truthfully, this is all about sports in black settings, black Absolutely. places, and yeah. black skin, of course. That yes. is something that we pride ourselves a whole lot on. A lot of people have enjoyed coming on to RSPN, listening to RSPN, streaming it, and enjoying the types of content and perspectives that come from it. People say we're the best, so I mean, I'm just going based off what people say. I don't think really, anything like this. You know, and so. we truly appreciate it because Jeff and I really work on trying to make sure that this is something that can be enjoyable for a lot of people, and especially ourselves, yeah. as authentic as possible. That's really what we want. And to say that starts off with the promotion that we've had with the last dance and especially with rspn uncensored uncensored being a wcw pay-per-view that you might be fairly familiar with at this point in time especially in 1998 and uncensored just dealing with the fact that we're going to be saying some things about what yeah. we see out of these 10 episodes of the well, bulls documentary and in general i mean it's it, it's perfect because the doc itself surprisingly enough was fairly uncensored and that was nice i was watching espn i was like damn did he just say what i think he saw thank god they're letting off shits and fucks yeah they letting it fly so on espn i'm sure there might be some people out in the middle of the country that are completely upset just make sure you watch espn too and 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 not make too much noise we enjoy the shits we enjoy the fucks I could imagine what the check was to get like Disney let this fly. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I'm sure it had to be Sunday night at damn nine or ten o'clock yeah, to actually definitely. let it go off. Because they're not <laughs> driving this at sports center times. One hundred percent not driving this at sports center times. Disney let Disney letting it fly, so that's what's up. To start off with the promotions that we had, we had a little bit of an edit. Sometimes, you know, sometimes with graphics and promotions and things that we have with RNT Radio on the podcast, some things 
get green lighted a little bit quickly. Some things uh, have some final edits before they actually go in, and yeah. there might, there may or may not have been a little bit of a cross out at the very top. Let's pull up the image for those who have not yeah. seen the actual image of the RSPN promotion. Yeah. Tagline that we have stating that we are coming out today, of course, with our debut episode of RSPN Uncensored states. Mm-hmm. championship rings wrestling rings and it should say the greatest of all time where there's a cross out and there's a little bit of a terminology that you may or may not have heard on many different rnc radio podcasts and it's very fitting for a player of this stature as we start getting into the rest of this documentary of the 98 bulls uh greatest is crossed out to greenest yeah, absolutely. Because as time unfolds, and as you can see, if you are watching this doc the same as we are, he is absolutely the greenest. Thankfully, it came in episode two and we didn't have to wait too long to actually get into that. They gave reasons as to why. And there may be some people that are watching the documentary wondering how far of green has Michael Jordan actually went in to be great. And that's a topic that we're going to be exploring a whole lot throughout these next five episodes as we go through the next five weeks of this documentary. Essentially, greenness to greatness. How, how, I don't think it's the best term to say fucked up, but how much of an ass do you have to be to achieve the things that you, is it, is it fucked up? I mean, because I mean, even, even the stories about, you know, the late great Kobe Bryant, I mean, you know, we already know how his attitude was, you know, playing like hooping. So super fucking green. I'm sure he asked Kwame, he's going to be like, it's green as shit. Absolutely. So I think you got to have a little bit of like, you know, that dog in you that I don't give a fuck, you know, that fuck you if you don't like me or, you know, I'm about to I'm about to go to the paint. I'm about to lay it up. You're going to foul me. I'm going to go to the line. I'm going to hit my my one and you there's nothing you can do about it. You got to have that. So I think you got to be extremely green uh, to be great. To, to achieve those greatnesses. And mm-hmm. for those, you know, they might be able to name other players that do not have to go within the lengths of, say, a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant as far as being explosive, um, competitive, vocal, yeah. all different types of terminologies that can describe these two players in a very positive mindset. LeBron's has some green moments. Exactly. Know? He told he told us all we were broke and uh, it didn't matter. He did not. Oh, let's not stop. He did not. <laughs> it happened. It happened. It's okay. This that that is one of the 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 bigger fallacies of LeBron James <laughs> that we are going to explore. Maybe a little he bit said, regardless. Summer. You know, you gotta go to work the next day, and I'm still LeBron James. But the biggest topic that we are going to be exploring into that into this podcast is that green is the greatness mm-hmm. or green to great. Let's just say hashtag G2G. Let's just say something like that. How far do you have to go to be able to achieve the things that you have? And Michael Jordan has achieved the best type of career out of anybody, I would say, in the NBA. You can bring up people from the 60s and the 70s. I turn eyes to that as as we start discussing Michael Jordan. But as I bring up the homework, before we get into anything that came up from episode one and episode two, when we talk about Michael Jordan and this type of greenness that we are talking about, I would like for you to go on YouTube. Nobody around Jeff and I right now has even the idea of streaming video right now. We are no, the only two people in the world yeah. with this idea. We're not. We're not. We're not going to expose it. We're not going to create it first because that will set off a butterfly effect. We are not here 
to set off a butterfly effect. We are here specifically for documentary purposes. Yeah. Journalistic purposes. Isn't Absolutely. that right, Jeff? There's yeah. nobody here that you were trying to entertain in 1998, right? No, no, this is all this is all for us. I don't have to worry about you finding Nia Long. I don't have to worry about you finding um Oh, you think I'm about to like <laughs> you think I'm about to try to find some some future. We stars? cannot set right. off anything in a butterfly effect right now. Yeah, I'll do my best. So don't find I Lisa no Ray. Promise. I'm about to say I can't make no promises, man. Don't find Pamela Anderson. <laughs> Journalistic purposes. Can you promise me that? I promise. Oh, all right, all right, all right. I promise, bro. I mean, I, I that's a lot easier than that's a lot easier than I thought it would be. I've been known to break a few. Please, oh, for the love of God, please don't. Depending on what's going we on, we are visitors. Know. We are visitors. Right. I've been known to break a few, just in case. You never know. Dear God. All right, everybody, hop on YouTube if you would like to have a precursor of what is to come from episode one and episode two. If you are having a little bit of trouble trying to get into the mindset of knowing that, you know what, Michael Jordan may have been a little bit of an ass from time to time. Go on to YouTube and type in Chameleonaire Michael Jordan. <laughs> That's what we're doing right now. Really it's just homework. It's just home. It's just our precursor to everything. And I wish ESPN started this off as a precursor as well. It's because crazy. It would have made sense. I don't consider Chameleonaire a liar. I mean, I don't know him, you know, that well besides you know from the music but i don't I also don't see a reason why he would make this story up so when i first heard the story i immediately considered <laughs> that maybe he was just lying it's one of the greatest stories ever you know? told on the internet but then again i'm like why would he lie about this you know so it, let's just say it's true right i don't think jordan has confirmed or denied but like i don't think yeah. he's ever ever spoke. I, I i think i think people might be afraid <laughs> If anybody asked him, he'd probably it'd probably be even worse for Chameleon there because then he'd probably be like, I don't even know who that is, or you know what I'm saying? And we don't want to. I'm not. Oh, and that's gonna hurt. That's we're not here hurt. to. We're not yeah. here to disrespect. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to do that. To you. I'm pretty sure Ryden went number one uh, in this country, in you know, in the world at some point in time. So have a moment. Yeah, we're not gonna disrespect uh, Chameleonary and Chameleon there right now, but that story is hilarious still to this day. Type in C-H-A millionaire, Michael Jordan, and listen to it. It has to be like a seven or nine minute clip. And this yeah. is going to be the most, one of the most impressive, important, historical stories that you it can changed, hear. I would say it changed how some black people look at Michael Jordan. It changed the perspective <laughs> of Michael Jordan. It, 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 you, you, a lot of people listen to that and think that it's hyperbole. It, it's, it, it, I, 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 would, I would like to agree with that. Yeah, no, it's dead ass. Like a lot of people's opinions changed on that man after this. Uh, I think, especially in the rap community, um, you know. So I don't know. I say that sitting here and I'm staring at like my boxes of shoes that I brought with me uh, to '98. But it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. But it's, that's damn true. It definitely changed some opinions. And and a lot of rappers have taken the the opportunities that unfortunately Chameleonaire did not have the option to at that point in time as he told the story. This has to be at least like a ten year old story. And older. yeah, it might it might be even older than that. But very important as we go down this line of Michael Jordan and more specifically the other players. Well, the I shouldn't really say the other players because this documentary is going to jump into a lot of Scottie Pippen, a lot of Dennis Rodman, and explore many things that people have not had the ability to with the footage that they have. But 
again, this is going to end up being fairly focused on the perspectives of Michael Jordan and of what has made Michael Jordan the person that he is today throughout this 10 part documentary. So as you start your homework, let's jump in episodes one and two of The Last Dance. MJ fashion. I'm started off like this. Hold on. Oh God. Oh great. I'm good. I'm good. Oh great. Really? You had to take some brown. <sighs> had to take. Man, man, man. You just like this nigga. I got a match Jordan's energy on this. Hold on. All right. Yeah. MJ eyes. Hashtag MJ eyes. <laughs> <laughs> before we get before we yeah. actually get started on episode one, actually before. Actually, before we jump into episode one, did you see uh, what Mills referred to as the MJ challenge on Twitter last night? As people were preparing for the last dance. We didn't even get episode one at all yet. I missed that. I missed that. What did he say? There were a good portion of our, there was a good portion of our timeline that was off Crown, Hennessy, oh, that, Jameson, Jack Brown? Daniels, anything Beer. Just anything, any form of preparation for the last dance. And we were referring Brown, to it as the MJ challenge. Anything Brown besides the women. That's the MJ challenge. Oh dear God! How about that? that how, that's really? how we're gonna start, we gonna start off uncensored. Yeah, y'all niggas. Re- real, really, yeah, really. Yeah. And you were worried about me. You were worried about <laughs> me talking about Pat Riley. And and what else? What else were you worried about? You were messaging yeah. me about something on Twitter, and Clint and was like, "Nah, done. nah, let him go." I think it was yeah. Pat Riley. Yeah, it was Pat Riley. I don't have time. You were worried we're not, about. I don't want to make. We, we're not gonna make this. The last thing we're gonna do is make this about Miami. I'm just saying, like. Anything brown but the women. That's MJ, you know, MJ eyes, no white, all brown. It's, Dear it's, it's God. Perfect. Oh, it's you know perfect. what? Oh, my nah. God. This is incredible. Nah. This is incredible. Nah. Even, 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 even me, as much as I'm smiling right now, even I am shocked and appalled. We didn't even get, we didn't even get to, to anybody holding up any form of championships as of yet, and you are no. already. Y'all know what it is, man. It's the best show in fucking America. Y'all you know? know what it is. Jeez. I know what it is. Now, as we open up the last dance, you see Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls finishing their fifth NBA championship. They beat the Utah Jazz in 1997 NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Of course, one of those games being one of his most controversial games in his career with his full game. But now we are moving throughout the summer of 1997, and we start getting to October. So there are some reporters that are asking Michael Jordan some questions. Of course, being one of the leaders of the Chicago Bulls for the past few years, if not the leader of the Chicago yeah. Bulls for the past few years, he ends up being one of the stars that media can pretty much confide to. Don't really have to worry about him snapping on asking any questions or giving him answers that are not really He's going to, to help anything. Yeah, fairly professional when it comes to media. But truthfully, in October of 1997, as we start getting closer to the beginning of the last NBA season for everybody on the Chicago Bulls. He's uncertain on a lot of things. Uncertain on ownership, uncertain yeah. on rebuilding. He's very, not 100 percent positive his rebuilding is going to be quick. Yeah. Exactly. Because rebuilding can be the type of rebuilding that the Warriors did from their 2016 finals to two weeks later getting Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. That's, that that's type not, of fast rebuilding, or you're rebuild. talking about the rebuilding that could come from uh uh say many different teams that were in the dumps. And 
take years and years on end to start clearing things out. That looked like there was something that was going to happen for the Chicago Bulls. But regardless, he was ready to go out with a bang with not only Phil Jackson, both Scottie Pippen and everybody else that was involved on the historic 1998 Chicago Bulls team. Now, the center of all that tension ends up coming from a name that we are going to hear a whole lot with these next 10 episodes. The GM of the Chicago Bulls, Jerry Krause. Yeah, Jerry Krause. Um, yeah, he got he he caught a lot of strays. Um, man, man, they weren't even really strays. Like they were straight to the face, man. Some of them were very, very direct, and we start yeah. realizing uh, the reasons as to why a lot of these were direct. Some of them you might think were uh, very warranted. Some of them you might not. But uh, Jerry Krause ends up passing about two years ago, so he, of course not able to comment on anything that has come from this documentary outside of all the different footage that they may have had from him uh, speaking throughout his term as a Chicago Bulls GM uh, as he ended that in 2003 and everything else that it came uh, from any type of commentary that he may have had. But that doesn't uh, he, mean he can't get this work, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, yeah. this is uh, this he, is he going to be silly things going on at that moment that we got to discuss. So. Yeah, from Bulls fans, from those that are not Bulls fans, I feel like this is going to be something that we start going through down memory lane for at least because, again, this documentary is being shown to a lot of fans, children, a lot of people that, especially you and I, you and I are not really considered children and I, but again, this type of period is an era where it's seven to nine years old. I was familiar with this. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with, you know, obviously when you're watching basketball at at that age, you know, you're just, you're watching it because, you know, you're You're watching it. You're like, woohoo. Yeah, your cousins, your older cousins was watching it or your pops or, you know, family members. But like, as far as like front office shit, you know, I'm not. I'm not peeping for front office stuff as a nine-year-old, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. None of that is important to us as of right now. So even within our age, within that younger 30s type of area, some of this can be brand new to you. Mm-hmm. There's actually one of these things that we're going to be able to talk about ends up being something that was brand new to me because I just did not know at the time. And we're going to be able to discuss that a little bit later in the episode. But again, the center of all of this tension ends up coming from Jerry Krause because he set off a lot of this stress turmoil and just bad media that came from the questions that could be asked to the Chicago Bulls on what is going on with the Bulls after yeah. their 97 championship win. We get the quote from Drew Krause about Phil Jackson, how he right. feels about Phil Jackson, and essentially how he feels about NBA players in general. And it looked like there was a good amount of resentment that came from Krause as things built up for the Chicago Bulls. You are now on your fifth NBA championship. You are the most successful team of the 1990s by far, and more than likely the most successful team in sports. Yeah, when you think of yeah. when you think of 90s teams, I'm sure you think of Dallas Cowboys. You think of um, I'm not I'm sure what Yankees MLB the, the Yankees in the 90s. Yeah. Um, different team. I'm, I'm sure there are soccer teams that you could think of in the 1990s, but yeah, not definitely. too many that can compare to the iconic figures that were Michael Jordan and especially the Chicago Bulls. You had an entire world. Nobody was that high. There was, I mean, you got to think, I mean, at this point, if if you didn't have any kind of like Bulls memorabilia, you know, a hat, a Jersey, a t-shirt, whatever, you know, it was like, it was kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? It's like, even if you weren't a fan, it's like, damn, it was just, it's the Bulls, man. You know, it's Jordan. So 
pops was definitely putting their kids and in, in, in bullshit just off the strength. Or you were probably as a Knicks fan, you're very dedicated, which again, Knicks fans are very Come dedicated on, in general. Why are you doing it? Well, like, isn't it great that we're in an era right now really? that the Knicks still suck? Isn't that amazing? Yo, okay. I mean, I thought this was about Jordan being green. It is. Why are you doing this right now? Well, then again, I should probably take that back because, you know, the Knicks are about to go into the finals the next year, and no- nobody knows that as of yet. So maybe I should just not talk about the New York Knicks in the right now. Uh, did they win? Maybe. Well, <laughs> not, win. You know what? You know, Knicks you know, win? I'm being green. See, you rubbed that shit off on me. Let's, let's keep going. Let's keep, let's keep going. Let's go back to Krause. Yeah. We got the quote from Jerry Krause stating that the organizations. Uh, uh, by the way, I'm sorry, Mills. I know you're listening right now. Oh man, I know that's the first thing I thought about here. Like, what's Skip going on? if you're listening. I'm sorry. Oh Elton, man, there's a lot. There's sorry. a lot of Knicks guys who are gonna hear that part and be like, Mark, why did you even bring that up? I'm apologizing. I, I forgot I'm still in New York City, so I can get touched. Like, no here. real segue to talk about the Knicks there. It just happened. That was a perfect segue for the Knicks. Whatever. Let's go. The quote that comes from Jerry Cross stating that organizations win titles and not players. How do you feel about that? I mean, he's absolutely wrong. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I didn't see his short ass out there fucking hooping. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, yeah, you got to have a, a great front office to, you know, cut the checks and find the right players. But the players still got to play. So, and a lot of times, you know, they get those they get those things wrong, right? I mean, you can have a front office that spends a lot of money on players and it doesn't work out. So. Just like he may think they win, you know, you could be the main reason you lose. I think I took a look at that quote and I just, I, I, I took this wild disrespectful this, to me. And it's really one of the reasons as to why you start seeing a lot of different players into the in 2020 in the NBA, very, very focused on making sure that they have a lot of things set for themselves, whether it be mm-hmm. financially, whether it be mentally, spiritually, yeah. Yeah. anything of that nature. It's unfortunate that we're in an area that, you know, you have to. I mean, I, I, I don't even know if it's unfortunate because truthfully, it's to the benefit of the player, really. Yeah, no, it's start right. getting and into the mentality that they, a lot of this is a job and people that are dealing with their checks, dealing with yeah, their the coaches' brand, checks. Man. Yeah, the they, 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 they are the, the final word on a lot of things. Yeah, I don't know how. I, I really don't know. Like, I don't know how. I mean, even the fact that he said that is just like, it's mind blowing to me because, yo, they're they're pushing your brand they're pushing your team to new heights it's not necessarily you you know what i'm saying i mean you can go out and try to find the talent the talent may not work and again this 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 isn't a team in the 1990s that is gradually making their way up to the playoffs oh yeah we haven't even talked about the getting trades and start building different things exactly it's it's the biggest team (laughs) you know the biggest team how could you say some shit like that basically you know he took credit for everything. I mean, that's that's what that statement. That's what that statement meant to me. And the GM looks at a lot of it and says, "You know what? I know we're winning. We have five five NBA championships. People pray for one championship in fucking forty years. They have yeah. five NBA yeah, five. championships in six years. Mm-hmm. And you have a GM that is looking at a lot of this and says, "You know what?" As much as I'm appreciative, in, in, in his words, I'm putting air quotes over that, of the players, coaches, so on and so forth, the organization does not get the credit that apparently he thinks he should be getting. And that resentment ends up coming off when dealing with the coach of the Chicago Bulls, which ends up being the legendary Phil Jackson. You get the 82 and 0 quote. That, mm, but who? somebody said he had that, he got, he got the complex. He got that complex. 
He does. That's exactly what it was. That little man complex. Oh, Napoleon complex. Yeah, he got it. He 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 got it. Somebody said it. I don't remember exactly. I don't want to misquote anybody, but somebody definitely said yeah. it on the doc. Um, you know that he, he and you could tell. You could tell, especially just off that statement alone. It's like he wants to be the. You know, I'm I'm the guy. I did just, this. I put this together. I made the draft. Yeah. I I made the trade. I you know, that's kind of how he was moving. It just shows to be able to have a quote like. Phil Jackson can go 82 and 0 and he is truthfully still done after yeah, this season. Like that is something that's what a little bit deeper about? than the relationship between front office and your head coach. That's personal. It's like what you mean? You go 82 and 0 and he's done? You still going to move on? That's weird. So because of so because of all that feels cool. He is going to end up going to Los Angeles after this season, of course, but he does not really fight too much of that. You start seeing him. I mean, the, the main area that we had seen uh, Phil Jackson in that first episode of the documentary is him uh, being able to name this as the final season of the NBA and actually calling it the last dance. Uh, but you see scattered mm. portions of it throughout as he is traveling with the Chicago Bulls and it doesn't really seem 100% bothered up until a certain point. We'll get to that in a little bit. We get to that in a little bit. But as Phil is done, Michael does not want to play with anybody else other than Phil Jackson. He knows it's going to happen. He knows it's going to He's He's jogged yeah, with Chicago know. before. He played yeah, through the 80s. He was getting his ass. He was getting his ass whooped. He's like, man, I'm not trying to do this without him. It's the best coach Exactly. Especially at that age, after five. I mean, I don't know if he's already anticipating six NBA championships. Imagine going from six NBA championships to now the latter portion of your career. <laughs> where you are in a very, very difficult rebuilding process. Phil Jackson's gone. Hey, man. More than likely, other players are going to be gone. This is this, this is not it. Also, let's let's not consider it. Let's consider this. You know, five championships, right? Mm-hmm. They made it look easy, but that shit was probably taxing as fuck. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a lot, a lot of work. Um, so regardless of how easy Michael made it look. Yeah, man, he he wants that. He wants to make sure he got the coach behind him so he could do his thing. And not even anything that's on the court. You start seeing the areas off the court that blow up Michael Jordan in this 1998 area. See Oprah introduce him. You see him going out to Paris in a huge mob. Yeah. Everybody in France saying bigger than the Pope. This is ending up to be something that is going to be monumental yeah, for time. Chicago. And the documentary does a good job of painting the portion that, you know what, as as luxurious as this looks right now, it wasn't always like this. Mm-hmm. And we get a good setup of Chicago in the 1960s and 1970s. The sports teams that they had when it came to the Cubs, when it came to the White Sox, when it came to the few scattered fans of Blackhawks fans throughout the city, uh, the Bulls were not even a secondary thought until Things started appearing for Michael Jordan, and he started getting with Roy Williams in UNC and started promising that, you know what, nobody will work ever work harder than me, and you will start seeing that. James Worthy quickly saw it, and the Chicago Bulls ended up picking him up, of course, third pick in the 1984 NBA draft. Yeah. The one thing that I thought was pretty interesting was because um, – uh, Reinsdorf said, you know what? I'm glad that the M- 1984 NBA draft was before the Olympics because the United States end up getting another gold medal in basketball and Michael Jordan blows up even more than beforehand. Right. Imagine if the draft was before that and you have, say, the Portland Trailblazers not. Yeah, he, pro- he, damn he, pro- he probably would have went too. He probably would have went too there. Absolutely. All that could have changed a whole lot of history. But thankfully for Chicago's case, they have the opportunity to get a Michael Jordan 
to get a star specifically for Chicago and hopefully be able to get them some winning seasons, some playoff seasons, and everything that they start seeing within the next 14, 15 years. Now, what we see from Michael Jordan in the beginning, uh, the reporter actually calls it out and says, you know what? They read something that the 1984 Chicago Bulls was a traveling cocaine circus. (laughs) Michael Jordan laughs it off and said, I never read it. I'm not going to say that that's the first cap of the night. Yeah, it was the first cap. You could just tell how he said I never read it. Is that the first cap? I feel like like he would. I feel like there might have been an area where he didn't read it. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe he didn't read it, but he definitely heard about it. So I guess maybe he wasn't lying about it, but he definitely heard about it. And uh, he probably definitely saw it for his own, you know, his own two eyes. The one cap of the night that I actually am going to give is the story that he provided beforehand. He goes into the story of. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> what was it? A hotel room? He goes into the hotel room and yeah. he just hears a whole bunch of different things going on. It sounds like there's multiple players that are actually in the room. And a little he bit just dry hears. Skin. A little bit. Just <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. He's like, oh man, the whole team's in there. And, he, <laughs> and he's like, I heard somebody go, shh, 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 shh. He's like, who is it? And he's like, man, it's MJ. And he's like, man, it's just a rookie. They open up the door. Apparently, he I mean, said, there's you know lines the over there, man. weed over there, girls over there. Mm-hmm. And According to Jordan, he says he looks at all three of those things, three things that might be enticing, right? Depending on who you ask, and says, (laughs) "Ah, You know what, fellas, I'm gonna call call it in. Same for me, I'm gonna hop on, play some, uh, play some damn duck hunt, yeah. Nah, man, uh, cut this NBC on, put this, put this damn, put this damn thriller vinyl on, call it a night. I feel like I'll he definitely walked in that room with the biggest smile on his face. Um, and he tapped in. You At know, least had to have a sip of some before he walked out, right? Nobody, nobody's going to see all three of those and 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 at least not spend five minutes. Yeah, five, my nigga five said, minutes he said, I wasn't drinking yet. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't so. drinking, quote, quote, at the time. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> As he has Brown sitting next to him. you know. Hey, man, he definitely walked in there. I think he tagged in. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if he hit, if he did any coke, but he probably smoked a little butt, you know, slapped a little ass, something like that. I don't know, man. He said he Come didn't on. smoke, didn't do lines in 1984. I mean, at that point, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Grandmaster Flash was warning your ass, don't do it. So he might have been one of those he people. He wasn't doing lines in 84. Uh, Grandmaster Flash was warning niggas, don't do it. Don't do it. Michael, Michael might have been on it. Come on, man. It's a little bit of coke. Never hurt nobody, man. Really? Yeah, man, it's just a little bit. I mean, I'm saying if you just glorifying coke on RSPN. If you just if you just walked in there as a rookie, you a pro, you know, and the door opens, you got, you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't really know how women was looking in the '80s. I wasn't there, but you know, you walk in, you see a little. You see, they probably smoking mid. Let's, it's probably mid. They probably got some middies in there. A little bit of coke. Coke probably wasn't very yellow. It probably wasn't. Oh, like oh, I see where you're going with this. You say he analyzed everything first before he said, "Yeah." Okay, so he checked. So he checked the tree. The tree had a little bit of stems in it. Yeah, he's like, "This ain't loud." You know, they were drinking. Yeah, yeah, this shit ain't loud. They were drinking MD twenty twenty. It wasn't brown. It wasn't brown. It wasn't brown. It was damn. And the women were so you know he backed out. He looked at the bottle. It just said beef eater. He was like, "Y'all niggas drinking beef eater." I'm out of here. Ain't no looked like the girl. Here. That's what happened. Looked at the rest of the entertainment for the night. It was like, you know what? 
I heard Prince is having a special. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna put that on TV. I'll let yeah, y'all boys go ahead. Special. You know what? Maybe he was telling the truth. Now I think about it. No, he 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 could have. He could have. I don't know. I mean, I I think it's easy to assume he was lying because of how like many shenanigans he's like his the, the memes and you know it's Jordan man. So it's like obviously you were like, come on, man, you lying, bro. But if we if we get a portion of that, maybe in the in, in in the later episodes of the Last Dance, and we start getting into how he got into that lifestyle a little bit, because I mean, I don't think it's a controversial area to start. <clears throat> Taking a look at, you know, it, it, they, it's happened somewhere. If it's not, then it's definitely going to be a store, another story. Out yeah, of if that, they, that happens if they skip over the gambling in this, in this, you know, all these parts, I'll be disappointed. I hope not, because you start seeing a little bit of that in episode two, despite that it's not an uh, uh, episode of, uh, uh, despite that it's not gambling in a casino, you get a little yeah, bit of yeah. gambling as he starts facing certain things in the NBA. But as of right now, things are going on fairly smooth in 1984 and 1985, sparking life into the city of Chicago. Um, you have President Obama actually coming up and 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 giving his story of what that was doing for the for uh, for the city, and with all of that, Chicago native. Exactly. You fast forward back into 1998 and you start going back to the next. Uh, well, you pass a good 13, 14 years later. And here we are back again with Jerry Krause and Phil Jackson, who's now naming this specifically, according to Bill Wennington, as the last dance. Yeah. The episode ends. You get David Stern on 1997 during ring night, the last ring night for this team, stating that this is the number one sports team in the world yeah period sports team in the world team in the world all sports and you get a really epic ending that comes from showing all the children that are saying yeah i could have i could have got christmas gifts but i came to go see michael jordan sky which i'm sure i I don't even want to know about the price of those tickets in 1997 1998 i mean i would have i would have made that decision i would have went sure cancel christmas for that I'm sure they probably would. I'm, they probably would have got some small. What 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 can you get at a certain point in time? PlayStation's out. They probably got like you know Nintendo's like, um, out. Like Power Ranger, fucking Megazord and get, shit. You getting Pokemon cards? And probably like Voltron toys. Yeah, Voltron. Yeah, <laughs> I probably. Well, would I pass that? What could? What would I pass for bull? I, I can't think of anything I'd pass for bulls tickets. Uh, well, at that time, I guess I guess you would really have to be super involved with the bulls to want to pass up on some action figures i i mean i, I don't really want to say i i said i i did say that i would do that but now that i'm looking back on it i don't know if there was a new game boy and color involved or like uh, you know a, i don't know i don't know i would definitely question the play like, you got me tickets to a basketball game come on man yeah and again this conversation is coming from two kids out from new york city in, in los angeles this being from chicago is probably like the holy grail yeah, like, we're yeah. in chicago yeah. around this time because oh, the yeah, kids no. that were actually there being very astonished uh, as serious played was something that was a really, really good ending. And you see Michael Jordan come out of the crowd, all the introductions that you are used to when it comes to serious and a lot of the epicness that you hear as that introduction plays, the lights are off, all the different types of lights are going off throughout the arena. Uh, and it was great. I liked episode one a whole lot, but let's jump into episode two as we start getting a little bit more of a deep dive into everybody that is not michael jordan essentially now an episode number that is fitting for a conversation like this ends up revolving around the life and times of scotty pippen not yeah. only with his time growing up in arkansas but everything else that was going on with scotty pippen 
with the Chicago Bulls after the 1997 uh, NBA Finals. This ends up being something for me specifically that I learned uh, a decent amount from because, again, as you start going through your learning, and especially if you are a fan of the NBA like many of us are, you go into a period when you're young and you start teaching yourself on certain histories, whether if you want to jump in the 60s and 70s, you play things like NBA Street Volume 2 that also boosts up a lot of the different things that you could start learning. I think I think one of the things that made me want to learn a whole lot outside of just things that my dad told me were yeah. games like NBA Street Volume 2, where you have legends that end up being illustrated so epic and so amazing in an area like, wow, I really want to learn about every single legend that had passed through and onto an NBA court. And with all of that, you get different conversations, different perspective, different areas of fandom in the NBA throughout the entire country. And these types of conversations don't really happen a whole lot when you're learning these things as a kid. Not many people that were how old was I in three books? Volume two came out 12, 13 years old. So let's say between 12 and 14 years old. Not a lot of people are going to have the conversation of, hey, you know what? Did you know that they were screwing Scottie Pippen out of millions of dollars when he was on Chicago right, Bulls in right. 1997? That is not really a conversation. The conversation uh, is Michael Jordan's six NBA championships, Scottie Pippen six NBA championships. And you don't really get a whole lot of the nitty gritty of what is going on specifically for people that are not named Michael Jordan until you start getting a little bit older and start diving into these types of things. And if this is something that happened to me at my big, big age, there is more than likely people that are younger than me that we're also learning these from a new perspective for the first time in episode two of The Last Dance. And it ends up opening with reporters, once again, instead of now being in front of Michael Jordan, they are now in front of Scottie Pippen. And they are introducing some questions to Scottie involving how he feels about Phil Jackson and this being his last year. Uh, Michael Jordan wanting $36 million going forward after this season. And unfortunately for Scottie, the rumors that are coming from, I would like to assume, the Bulls camp for yeah. possible trades for Scottie Pippen. You hear Jerry Krause stating that we listen to trades on every single NBA player. That was immediate cap alert because I'm sure he's turning down anything possible for Michael Jordan, but he was more than willing to listen to things for Scottie Pippen. Previously, there was a quote from Tracy McGrady on the jump as he told Rachel Nichols that on the night of the 1997 NBA draft, of course, the night that Tracy McGrady got drafted, there were rumors that Jerry Krause and the Chicago Bulls were going to end up trying to attempt to trade Scottie Pippen for Tracy McGrady, which would have sent Scottie Pippen over to Toronto as Tracy McGrady comes to Chicago. Michael Jordan literally called and X the whole thing out. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it makes sense, to be honest, because I think that would have eventually if, if they pulled the trigger on that, uh, that would have pushed Jordan out a little faster. Yeah. So, you know, you didn't want to risk that. So, I mean, yeah, that would have been crazy, though. I mean, just overall, but it, Jordan would have been gone way sooner. Yeah. Rookie Tracy McGrady ended up playing with Michael Jordan. I'm sure Tracy would have been tested a whole lot differently than he was in those beginning areas in Toronto as he ended up playing with Vince and, and, and of course, how that ended up before he started going out to Orlando. But that would have pissed Scotty off to an area that I think just Bulls fans would not be highly interested in. In a lot of this season, because you end up missing 
a piece of the Chicago Bulls that Michael even states as his most important teammate, his favorite teammate, a teammate that he has won zero championships without. And that would have made the 1998 season a lot more difficult for Bulls fans in general. So as all these questions are coming out to Scottie Pippen, um, it ends up revolving around an area of him being underpaid. And he simply says, my day will come. Right. And that's it. Which is, yeah. I mean, I think he handled that properly saying that. I'm going to get paid. Don't worry about it right right now. We both know Scotty as as being not the most outspoken, animated type of player as other NBA players are. So he took that with about as 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 simple as Scotty Pippen would end up doing that. But we get some interesting statistics that come from Scotty's position in 1998 with the Chicago Bulls. He's only the sixth player in Bulls on the Bulls when it comes to salary. Mm-hmm. And he's 122nd Great. in the NBA. Crazy. In total, you have five NBA championships. You're the 122nd in the NBA when it comes to salary. SVP ended up ending, well, beginning Sports Center yesterday with stating that the 122nd player in the NBA today is Andre Roberson. So that might be able to put a little bit of perspective as to where Pippen sat in 1998 in the NBA. It's crazy. You have Luke Longley making more money than you by at least a couple hundred thousand. Who was his dollars. agent, man? Who was his agent? That's what I needed to know. I needed to know who his agent was. Who was dude yeah. in recess that had the um? What was dude's name in recess that was selling the shit out of at his at his um, yeah, at his that's coat? The, that's that's who was running. Uh, that's one hundred percent Scotty Pippen's agent <laughs> right now. I I yeah. cannot believe I don't remember the name of this super, kid. That super style. Uh, the deal was what. Um, Seven years and $18 million that was signed in 1991. And as the documentary starts going into his life and times in Arkansas, his growth spurt. um, This man was making times that he had with his brothers. 2.5 million a year. Yeah. That's, I mean, bro. And as he came into the league in 1987, I mean, that's four years removed. You start thinking about $18 million and the different types of family that you're trying to think of to support. In Arkansas, maybe he's not thinking. I mean, it's it's difficult to be Scottie Pippen in 1991 and know in seven years you are going to be part of the biggest team of all time in basketball. And not, I mean, seven years from now, you don't know what's going to happen. That $18 million could be luxurious yeah. in, in 1998. It just so happens that you end up being a part of history. And that is now showing that that contract is horrid. Awful. Uh, just a really, really, and I mean, the, the length alone. I mean, that's just talking about 18 million shit. That should have been 18 over two years. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> and because of that, that affects a lot of different things as far as trust, as far as conversations, discussing anything that comes with the Bulls front office, especially with Jerry Krause. Uh, they had a little bit of a they had a little bit of a of a, of a fun area when it came to Scottie Pippen coming in 1987 and Charles Oakley saying, "Man, this nigga was coming in and talking about he's gonna be better than Jordan." What is this nigga talking about? Ends up getting slapped the fuck up by Charles by Charles Oakley, and I was like, "God damn!" I mean, people, yeah, I mean, people, exactly. Uh, people right that, now should not want to fight. That wouldn't, people. yeah, I don't think that would fly. Uh, I'm not even sure if that would fly today. A bully in the NBA? I mean, I mean they yeah, they've discussed like cousins that, that way. Ain't nobody, uh, ain't nobody smacking nobody like that, man. You gotta be. You, you, I think you just gotta be enjoyable with it. If you're if you're a Zach Randolph type bully, I have to think. Yeah, people will definitely turn an eye. If you're a damn, could you imagine? The, could you imagine like 
could you imagine somebody smacking Ja? Like John Moran, like you know, he come in like and we see a clip of like <laughs> and we see a clip of Iguodala slapping the shit. Right, right. Like, like what the fuck, bro? Like you ain't put no fucking hands. It's different that like the times have just changed, bro. Like, you know, you're not you're not really about to that's not really about to fly like that. I mean, I'm, I know that rookie culture is still in there, but it's more playful. You know what I'm saying? He really slapped that nigga though. Let's yeah, make yeah. that clear. Like, slap, yeah, slap, 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 slap the shit out of him. Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like haha, like I mean, it was funny, but like he slapped him for real. So he's like, "Man, you think you're better than Jordan? You fucking rook!" I was like, "Damn, (laughs) fucking foul, bro." But all of that starts forwarding into 1998, as now we are having difficult conversations with Scotty, and now Scotty's out with an injury. Yeah, decides to rehab during the season because according to him, doesn't want to fuck the summer up. Don't blame him. He said, "Man, I'm not fucking the summer. Never fuck your summer up." Never fuck your summer up, but he also shouldn't have took fucking two million dollars a year. Exactly, it ends up being it ends up being difficult. But again, this is the Scotty Pippen that, while Jordan was out trying to do baseball, held down the Bulls enough to be able to at least almost get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. So this is this is a person who has tested a whole lot and done a whole lot for the Chicago Bulls by himself in general. Now that Jordan's back, of course, things are a lot different. And now you have two NBA championships after that. But Pippen's out. Pippen's going to be out for the next couple of, uh, let's say, weeks. Because, again, Scott did not give a specific timetable. And now we get what he came for as Michael Jordan has to hold down the Chicago Bulls by himself. And as that starts coming out, this is a Michael Jordan who is very focused and ready to get his sixth NBA championship. So you might not get the best language when it comes to Jordan uh, and the teammates that are struggling as Pippen is out. Hey man, some could some could say that uh, Pippen got robbed of MVP in '94, man. Straight up. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a look at it. another time, man. But it's there. It was there, bro. It was there. Yeah, look at him. Michael's gone. You have essentially the team in 1993 that you had beforehand. Scotty holds it down. Yeah. You end up losing to the Orlando Magic, which was a very strong Orlando Magic at the time, but. Who would have thought that that would have happened for the Chicago Bulls? Uh, I'm sure that there were a decent amount of doubters than there were people that were saying, yeah, guaranteed fourth NBA championship for the Chicago right, Bulls. Right. This wasn't happening. No. So now in Michael's case, you have 1998. You have this team that's ready to fight for their sixth NBA championship. Scotty is gone, and they lose to, who did they show? The Wizards, the Cavs, the Atlanta Hawks, of course, led by Dikembe Mutombo. Mm-hmm. Difficult losses for the Chicago Bulls that end up pissing off not only Phil Jackson, but end up pissing off Michael Jordan. So much so that as they're about to play the Los Angeles Clippers, the Los Angeles Clippers, that is not the Clippers that you think of today. Not even the Clippers that you would think of a decade ago. A shitty, shitty Los (laughs) Angeles Clippers. Yeah, we're not about to lose in no Clippers. And And Michael Jordan literally says, I'm going to say this shit again. Let's go get this (laughs) road with that shit was the best. I was thing. like, "Damn, Steve, you not gonna speak up? Come on, Kurt, no, he ain't gonna speak up. Gonna speak up. He's like, yes, yes, Michael, That's his speaking up right there. The agree, I agree. Now, <laughs> now, all of that, all of that has some so a much more different tone of music than it did uh, throughout the rest of the documentary, but. We get a little bit of a flashback out into 1968 on how this type of competitiveness ended up coming out with Michael Jordan. And I think, according to my timeline, it ended up being a story that resonated with a lot of people that look like us, talk like us, 
and uh, uh, essentially share our same stories when it comes to family and competitiveness, because Michael Jordan starts going into an area where he discusses the competitiveness with his two brothers, not only on the court when it comes to playing them, but off the court as well when it came yeah. to the attention of their dad. And a lot of that uh, uh, was something that I started seeing a decent amount of people that just felt the types of things that Michael felt at that time, you know, there's not not only basketball. You want to start doing things around the house, around with your dad and start getting that recognition that you are well enough to start, you know, performing things very well, doing things that are worthwhile. And Michael's dad kind of shoved him off a little bit to the side and said, yo, you're a little bit too young. This you're not going to be able to do anything. Let the older brothers handle it. And that ended up putting a fire into Michael where he wanted to make sure whatever he did, he was the 100% best at it to get that recognition. It's a crazy way to be able to get that recognition. And I don't know if they dive a lot more into that, but that was something that was a very interesting conversation that I hope that they start uh, getting a little bit more into. But I, I, I don't know if they jump into that. And I don't know what the best area to jump into a conversation like that would be going forward in this documentary. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how to, how to go about that. There's, there's definitely some things that, like, I feel like they just, they have to touch on, even if it is, like, a little weird, even if it is, like, social media myth, you know, like, things of that nature. Um, like, I, we joked about the chameleon and everything. I know that, I know that's not going to come up, but, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, the gambling thing, um, I'd like to know, I'd like to hear him talk about, you know, his father, if possible. You know, I don't know how much of that they'll, they'll, they'll touch on. I'm sure we'll get, get to it at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are just some things that I really, really do want to see. That's not like social media myth jokes or whatever. But um, yeah, man, it's it's I, I, it's going to be a great time. I mean, I'm, these first two episodes are really great. I was um, actually surprised that the second episode was mostly about Scottie Pippen. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, uh, get more insight and that deal. I mean, I I didn't know about the deal just personally, so that was really cool. And yeah, the front office stuff. I mean, obviously we don't know anything about that as, you know, as young kids. So seeing it now as an adult, you're like, damn, if that happened today, it'd be the biggest story for six months. Oh, it's going to be huge. You know Absolutely. What I'm so it, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Now yeah. as episode two ends, we get um, what followed from the 85, 86 season with his foot injury, uh, a little bit of a gamble when it came to playing on that, because you have Jerry Reinsdorf saying there's a 10% chance he might not be able to play again. And Michael Jordan, insists on looking at this glass half full as opposed to empty and wants to take the 90% over the 10. Uh, he ends up going out to UNC and plays a few games uh, under a little bit of secrecy because the Bulls did not really know. And with all of that, <laughs> it would never happen. would never happen today. Exactly. Bulls fight their way into the NBA playoffs, even with a very strict minute restriction on Michael Jordan, which he was not a big fan of. They were fed to the 1986 Boston Celtics, they end up losing, but this ends up being the thing that makes almost like folklore for Michael Jordan as you start getting his 63-point performance in Game 2, which leads Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, the two biggest stars of the 80s in the NBA, to state that this is the best player in the NBA in his sophomore season. So we have many different conversations happen for Michael Jordan, but Episode 2 ends up Fast forwarding all the way back to 1997, where there is still huge beef between Scottie Pippen and Jerry Krause. Scottie is now in an area and a mindset where he does not give a damn about anything that he says and right. is cursing the fuck out of Jerry Krause on the bus. On the bus in front of everybody. Letting him know he's a little poison in public. Yep. yep. 
and now demands a trade in November, which is essentially the first month, really, of the NBA season. All of this happening in weeks' time. So keep in mind, as these next episodes happen, we have four more episodes to deal with for RSPN Uncensored, but eight more episodes to actually watch with a lot of controversy. But again, these two episodes have done a really good job of A, having me learn brand new things that I had not known at the time and B keeping me very, very entertained. And if that is happening for me, I'm sure that it's happening for millions of others that want some form of basketball in our life right now. We need it. This is great. I mean, it's, you know, one of the biggest names in basketball history. So, uh, and it's, we're about to learn a lot of stuff about him that we probably thought we'd never know. So yeah, man, this was needed, bro. This was, this was needed. Now, as we kick back in our old areas in New York City and Los Angeles, we are going to further the conversation of G2G throughout the rest of RSPN Uncensored, but I am ready to do so. Jeff is ready to do so, but I'm going to keep a heavy eye on making sure that he is not heading over to the MTV Awards in 1998 because we can just not, we can't, we just can't risk it. We can't risk it. I don't know if I trust Jeff around Aaliyah right now. Boy, listen. See, that is exactly why I'm cutting. I'm cutting this off to make sure that I can get Jeff's phone tap. A mess, boy. All right, we'll see y'all next week.